Welcome, everyone, to the Daily Kofefi. Today is Wednesday, December 4th. My name is Carter Laren, and I'm still broadcasting from an undisclosed vacation location, as Carrie likes to say, and I'm joined, as usual, by Carrie Smith. Yo, Carrie. How you doing? Hi, Carter. What's up? Uh, nothing. Nothing's up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, wet hair. You, uh... What? I just, wet hair. Don't care. Wet hair. Although it's freezing outside. Yeah, it's got to dry before I go to work. Um, I wasn't really looking at this London Bridge stuff until you pointed me to it that you wanted to talk about today. Um, Do you want to introduce it? I mean, I know people know basically what happened, I think, at this point. Um, Well, there was a, I mean, another one of these terrorist stabbings, which we don't really hear about they're not really reported in the media the way they used to be um i think only because narwhals were involved maybe and some of the attack happened on london bridge so it was filmed wait you're thinking that's why it was reported because narwhals were involved and it was filmed by bystanders yeah oh well i was saying i didn't think it was covered that very in depth but maybe i'm wrong i was on no, I'm just thinking why it was covered at all. At all. Huh. But anyway, um, yeah, the, this guy was uh, stabbing people. It turns out his one of the one of the guys who he killed, um, his father, basically made these statements to the effect of, it, it was it was just weird. Instead of being out, instead of being outraged about someone killing his son, murdering his son because of an ideology, because of like radical Islamic beliefs, whatever the ideology, but in this case, radical Islamic beliefs, Mm -hmm. his statements were about, uh, don't use my, like, let's make sure we don't become Islamophobic guys. Like that's what he chose to talk about. Yeah. So he, he, he talked about that a lot. He's fighting that kind of battle on Twitter. Here's a, here's a tweet that he, I think has since deleted but he's saying similar things all over the place. My son Jack, so his his son was uh, Jack Merritt. My son Jack, who was killed in this attack, would not wish his death to be used as the pretext for more draconian sentences for detaining people unnecessarily. R.I.P. Jack, you are a beautiful spirit. Um, so who always took the side of the underdog? So um, the thing to understand about this, so the, the attacker's name, uh, Usman Khan, and if you haven't been paying attention or maybe maybe it's not very well reported i don't know um he he was arrested in 2012 uh no 2010 and then sentenced in 2012 or convicted in 2012 he was arrested in 2010 for terrorist activity like plotting to bomb the london stock exchange um with a a group of people and he had been and and also planning to build a terrorist training camp in pakistan so clearly like you know into the whole Islamic terrorist thing, he went around calling people uh, non non Muslims uh, kafar and dogs. Kafar is like a slang, a derogatory slang for non Muslims, um, and you know that's how he thought of the general public. He had is involved in, I guess, numerous plans, but the, this particular one, who was convicted on uh, that we know for certain, was bombing uh, the stock exchange in London, and so. So it's weird. So this happens. He's convicted in 2012, right? Then, and and the judge, the judge was like, the judge sounds like he was kind of pretty good. Um, 
the judge says that, um, in my judgment, uh, so, so the judge basically was saying, like, he was, the sentence was basically indefinite, an indeterminate detention for the protection of the public, right? So the judge was like, we have to, like, keep this guy in jail. We'll have to reevaluate it later. So the judge sentenced him to um, uh, a minimum jail term of eight years. He pleaded guilty to the terrorist attacks or planning the terrorist attacks. The judge sentenced him to eight years, but but with a minimum of eight years, but with an indeterminate detention. And the judge says, in my judgment, these offenders, because he was convicted with along with his co-conspirators, in my judgment, these offenders would remain, even after a lengthy time of imprisonment, of such a significant risk that the public could not be adequately protected by their being managed on license in the community, subject to conditions by reference to a preordained release date. So he's basically saying, these guys are so dangerous, guys so dangerous, I don't want to have a preordained release date. He's got a minimum sentence of eight years, but indefinitely, we're going to hold him, we're going to reevaluate after eight years. Then an appeals judge in 2013, so one year later, replaced the whole thing with a 16-year fixed sentence uh, that would allow him to spend half of it not in jail, and then he was released automatically. I don't know why, because he hadn't served eight years in jail already, but he was released. So he was involved in... so. He, then he got he got involved in this. He I guess he was released under conditions. He wasn't allowed to use a computer that was hooked up to the internet and blah blah blah. So he was involved in this program that Cambridge University um, sponsored called I think it's uh, I can't find it. It's like learning learning together, Cambridge University program, and learning together was about help like helping these people reintegrate into society and. Um, you know, basically kind of the leftist, we should forgive them and let them come back into society and let's like help them out. So he, they got him into this computer that, that was okay uh, for his, his parole. Cause again, he wouldn't, it didn't go on the internet. He wasn't allowed to go on the internet. So they got him this computer and, and, um, and he wasn't allowed to travel without an escort. The first couple times he tried to travel, he was denied travel to Stoke, his hometown, and then he asks for travel to go to this Learning Together uh, conference in London. This is the first time his travel is approved unescorted. The very first time he is allowed to go to London, the very first time he's allowed to travel unescorted, what does he do? He brings a knife to the Learning Together place. He First of all, he puts on a... Um, he puts on what looks like a suicide vest. It turned out to be fake. He puts on a suicide vest, fake suicide vest, brings a knife, and goes to the learning together thing, which the victims worked for. So, so he attacked the people who were helping him and started stabbing people. They gave him, like you said, he, he, he benefited from this program about rehabbing terrorists, essentially. And he, yes. he wrote them a thank you letter. Yeah, he was featured in one of their bulletins as a success story. A success right? story. And then he went there to kill them. Yes. Yes. He went there to kill them. And and by the way, in case you wondered why Narwhal was trending tw trending on Twitter, they were in the room that they were, there was like Narwhal horns mounted on the wall and people used them to defend themselves against this guy. And then if you see the video going around, you'll see people, some, some guy with a narwhal horn and someone else with a fire extinguisher, they ended up like getting him out of the room that he was in. And then uh, on the bridge, they like cornered him and, and eventually he was shot by police.
I don't know if you guys can see this, but here's a picture of him they used in a brochure as a success story for rehabilitation of terrorists. They used this picture of him. Yeah. Um, here, here's the brochure if you want to if you want to look at it. Um, let's see. Yeah, here's their little brochure, right? And he and he writes this, you know, uh, he writes this nice little learning together has a special place in my heart. I mean, he knows the guy does know how to appeal to the leftists. Learning together has a special place in my heart. It is more than just an organization helping to provide learning of individual academic subjects. For me, it's the main main benefit is bringing people together through the means of learning. <laughs> like he just he writes this thing, right? And there he is on his little freaking laptop, doing his learning. Um, and probably, you know, plotting his attack in, in the back of his mind while his picture's being taken as the poster child for, uh, rehabilitation of terrorists. So, yeah, so after this, um, his dad, you know, like we said before, his dad's, his dad's like... The dad, dad of, the, people of who, the murder victim. Sorry, yes, I'm sorry, the dad, um, yeah, I made that sound bad. The dad of the murder, one of the murder victims is, is basically like, you know... Don't you you know you know don't use this attack to um, undermine my son's work. My son wouldn't have wanted this to you know undermine his work, and basically kind of saying we should uh, be careful. Islamophobia is the big threat, not uh, terrorist extremists. This this reminds um, me of what we talked about yesterday about um, the rising death rates and suicide rates among white people mm -hmm. uh, being blamed on their own racism. It's like blaming the victim. It's like, oh, the, there's, a, there's this problem going on. Uh, there, there seems to be an increasing suicide and death rate among white people, and it's not increasing about, among any of these other groups. Among, so it must be because of something. It must be because of their own racism is why they're killing themselves. And this is similarly blaming. This thing that always happens, it's like this blaming of the victim. It, every time it's like these people are murdered because of a radical extremist ideology and because of terrorism. And then instead of talking about the problem and what led to their death, it's like, well, uh, I wouldn't want their murder to be used for the real problem here is Islamophobia. Like- Right, right. Yeah. Um, do you know, as an aside, there is something kind of funny that happened out of this. Do you know Shaniqua O'Toole? I think, I think Shaniqua is now banned on Twitter. But you know no. who Shaniqua O'Toole was on Twitter? Oh, so yeah. Shaniqua O'Toole, um, I don't know who it actually was, but it was uh, Shaniqua's here. Maybe I, I think her account is actually suspended right now. Um, but uh, Shaniqua had she was she pretended to be um, a writer for the Guardian and would do these little headlines like. Um, I don't know, with like the Guardian banner, right? But a satirical head. Well, but she pretended to just be a radical, radical leftist. So she's got like this attitude, like she's like a pose of her, like, like doing so like, she's like a attitude face. Like a, like a Godfrey Elphick or Titiana McGrath. Yeah, kind of, right? But she, and and I guess I guess the Guardian was pissed because um, she, uh, they, they were like, you're pretending to be a, guardian reporter but you're not so like they yeah, like we're sending her dmca takedown notices by the way so are the guardian reporters right yes, <laughs> yes. yeah so they were like sending her dmca takedown notices for stuff and um which i think is bullcrap because parody is allowed but anyway 
But she also actually convinced, like, I think Gateway Pundit fell for, for this, that she did. They thought she was a Guardian reporter. But she wrote this thing. After this attack, her headline of her article in The Guardian was, um, Trigger-happy police should learn how to spot a fake suicide vest. <laughs> and it was this article about how the, the he should have, the, the terrorist should be alive because the trigger happy police should have known that it was a fake suicide vest and how dare they shoot him so of course her account was suspended on twitter probably for wrong think of some kind because the satire good satire good yeah. satire reveals truth and that's that's what i like about sat i mean that's that's why we all like satire is when it's used um expertly it, it it it's an exaggeration almost that reveals a greater truth and that's they must get they have to get rid of the effective satire like hers because it's yes. it's too blinding it's 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 shining a light on on things in such a way that it, especially when it you know we talk about what satire being dead when when we live in a time that's satire being dead is when things are so crazy that it's almost impossible to exaggerate them further so Which that's kind of where we are that we're <laughs> yeah. almost there we're almost there where you can't make the exaggeration <laughs> because it's already right. happening <laughs> well and that's the thing right people looked at that and they were like oh that seems like a thing that a guardian reporter would write yes <laughs> okay. okay and the guardian is like take it down people are gonna think it's us it's like well that's an interesting admission like you're saying that people confuse your reporting with this with satire. Right? I mean, okay. Uh, you know, that's that's quite an admission. That's a good point. I don't know. That's a good point. It's, a, it's so close to what they would write. Right. I mean, if you were a real news outlet and someone was trolling you like that, you wouldn't, you would be like, ah, uh, it's, it's actually it wouldn't even be trolled like that because it wouldn't be f as funny. But um, yeah, like if you were confident that your news was real and that you wouldn't, you weren't crazy, when someone put a crazy headline under your banner as a joke, you would... You you know you might be annoyed, but you wouldn't be like that pissed off about it. You wouldn't be like, "Hey, people are going to confuse it for us." Like, you know, if it's if it's really that insane, they shouldn't confuse it for you, unless you're insane, which the Guardian, uh, I think, collectively uh, is. But you know, I was thinking about this, Carrie. I don't. Um, you know, you and I talk about uh, the Enlightenment and universal principles and values, right? Uh, freedom of speech and um, rights to, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty and, and you know, that kind of stuff. We apply them universally, but, you know, we don't live in a world with, with, we don't live in a world full of people who want those universal values. We do live in a world full of tribes who want their own thing. And not every member of those tribes wants that same thing, right? So uh, I think it's good, for example, if you if you want to have a free society, it's good to have immigrants who also want to be part of a free society come into that society and join you. That's That can help you. Um, but the West seems to be in this weird predicament where they want to deny the very obvious fact that there's a large percentage of Muslims, not terrorists right just muslims who want a muslim state that's what they want now i don't think it's a good idea i think there's violations of human rights involved in a muslim state but 
uh, I kind of don't want it to be my business. I'm not going to run. I don't want to run around the world telling people that, you know, how they should, uh, how they should organize themselves. I do feel bad for anyone stuck in that situation who doesn't want to be there. Right. So, which is why I, I would like, you know, people who want to escape and be free to, to come out. But look, there's entire populations who, who want to have something very different than what the West has. And they are coming to the West in droves. And no one is asking any questions about how this is going to change the West. And I don't mean change the color of their skin or change the food we eat. I don't give a crap about that. I mean, how is it going to change the the important values that, that are Western values? And by Western values, I mean basic things like freedom of speech. How is it going to affect it? And no one seems to want to have that conversation. They're just going to they're just going to throw it in your you just you're a racist if you want to have that conversation and some of those people that want that islamic state are terrorists not all of them a small percentage but some of them will go to great lengths to do it and we are so as a society we are so fixated on proving that we're not racist that we are afraid to actually look critically at the people coming in and try and figure out really Who's a threat? And even consider them as... If you even say, well, everyone that wants to come in should immediately be suspect, and we should kind of weed them out and figure out who's not a threat. If you even try and have a conversation that there should be some kind of screening, that that threats could come from the outside, that there are other groups in the world who do want different things in the West, you, you get accused of being a tribalist or racist or a white nationalist. Um... But the fact is, well, the West is going to die because of this. The, this West is killing themselves because we're not asking basic questions about who the hell is coming in and what their values are and whether they're compatible with what the hell we're trying to build. Well, this also, it, it's it's like a, when you don't stand for anything, like you stand for nothing. So mm-hmm. this whole SJW ideology, which is has some roots in postmodernism, and postmodernism, of course, is... <laughs> kind of like everything's equally valid anything goes which means nothing nothing there's no meaning and when there, when when anything yes. goes when you believe in everything you believe in nothing it's like there's nothing that stands out above anything else um right you can't say western values are better than other values is that what you're saying right exactly yeah. well they just across the board they believe in nothing they don't want us to say anything's better than anything else no culture's better no values are better they actively criticize and tear down anything of meaning um, yep. any, they try and, they try and, uh, link it to, they try and link values, um, that, that don't, that don't know any racial, uh, characterization. They try and link it to race, which is also what white supremacists do, um, which is kind of crazy. Yes. But SJWs and white supremacists both do that. But, but anyway, the point is when you have a vacuum of meaning and belief, something is going to fill that vacuum. And it's almost like, well, at least radical islam they ha- they believe in something <laughs> like like yeah, they don't yes. and and so and so it's like you you were just opening paving the way for this other dominant ideology or value system to come in because you don't have a value system there's no value system you're destroying what we have and then what's going to come next and the, and and there's so that's one thought that you that i was having as you were talking but the other was that um just like this, the father of this terrorist victim, this murder victim, just like his comments, 
they've done a successful magic trick, um, a very successful magic trick where you're not allowed, like you said, you're not allowed to talk about any of this stuff. You're not allowed to talk about uh, radical Islamic extremism. You're not allowed to talk about terrorism. You're not allowed to talk about vetting people during Im the immigration process or anything because you because of fear of being called an islamophobe this this phony label that they've made up islamophobe which they also tie to racism and it's not about race it's about right. uh, an ideology um but they've somehow successfully linked it in the minds of people to race racism and so there's the, you can't you're not allowed to talk about any of this stuff it's a what an amazing magic trick so even when they murder your son you come out there and you perform the trick yep and they Let's not talk about anything. Let's not be Islamophobic, guys. It's not Islamophobic. By the way, that's, that's Islamophobia to lump all Muslims together to say, that, to say that you can't criticize radical extremists because you would be criticizing all of Islam. That's not true. Well, yeah, and I think this is also related to this. Um, the leftists have this. It's weird because they have these are contradictory ideas, but of course they're good at contradicting themselves. So on the one hand, they'll look at Carrie and they'll say, "Well, Carrie's white, so she has all the problems of inherent whiteness that are like unsolvable. Uh, she's just hopelessly white, and that comes with a bunch of problems, right?" Um, so, but but on the flip side, they have this uh, false idea that you can um, you can erase someone's. Uh, basically the personality and and reprogram them that like, oh, this person, you know, I don't know how old he was, probably in his 20s when he was first arrested. Uh, you know, he's been he's been pushing Islamic extremism and terrorism for years. He gets arrested and, oh, we're so smart that we have this little rehabilitation program and we're going to turn him. And it's totally possible to change people, fundamentally change their belief systems. Uh, and... You know, as you and I have talked about, even trying to change someone's belief system for for the better isn't really possible if they're not motivated to do it themselves. You can't you can't talk people out of stuff. So the left has this stupid, stupid notion that you can take anyone from anywhere in the world, no matter what their belief system is, and turn them into a nice little liberal and plop them down in the middle of London and they're gonna behave just like everyone else. And that is not true. It is false. It's scientifically false. It's demonstrably false every time it's tried. And this stupid organization that this guy, I mean, I feel bad for the victim, obviously, the victims, but what a dumb organization. What a stupid idea. We're going to take literally people who the, the judge originally said are so dangerous that we're not even sure they should ever be out. We're going to be like, yeah, let's let's help integrate them into society as if there's as if they've magically changed. How long was the guy in jail? Like a couple years, a year or two? He went through this jail a year or two and then some stupid program and suddenly now he's, oh, I've seen the light. I'm not a terrorist anymore. It's moronic. It's moronic and it's suicidal for Western culture. But it, think it's about how common. hard It's common. Think about how hard it is. Any of these SJWs, think about how hard it is to uh, wake them up. You know, people have asked me, because I'm a former SJW, how do you wake someone up? How do you get them to leave this ideology? I don't know the exact answer. I know that I try and I, one of my goals is to help wake SJWs up, but um, there's no magic formula for that. So these people who believe that they could wake up a radical Islamic terrorist, it's like, well, how easy would it be for somebody to wake you up out of your belief system? <laughs> like, yeah, it, just, it just doesn't happen. I don't, I just don't see evidence of it ever happening. 
Yeah. Right. And and I don't know, Carrie. I mean, we but also talk. But for them to understand that analogy, they would also have to understand or be willing to look at their ideology objectively and see the ways in which it's similar to right, like, they, dangerous, they see the ways in which it's dangerous and, and they can't do that. They, they don't, a lot of them don't even, I think they're so unconscious. They're so deeply like sleepwalking. They don't even realize they have an ideology. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think in the case of Islam, Islam's more, satisfying than social justice. Social justice is an ideology that's uh, rife with contradictions and requires a hell of a lot of... Uh, Mental uh, gymnastics. Yeah, I was going to say, um, crap, what's the word? Cognitive dissonance. Like, like you're, you get the cognitive dissonance uh, gold medal for being a social justice warrior and living in the first world, and you know, which is most of them. Right? Peggy McIntosh gets the cognitive dissonance award. award. But, um, but Islam, you know, I'll, I'll probably butcher this I definitely will butcher this this quote, so I'll just kind of paraphrase. But Ayn Rand's talked about this before in terms of belief systems. Um, belief systems that are internally consistent are much more attractive to people and will win out in the long run than belief systems that have that are rife with internal contradictions because people don't feel good about the internal contradictions. So over, like over time, the one without internal contradictions will succeed. And she also said that the... The belief system that is that corresponds to reality um, would succeed over ones that won't over time. I mean, I think she's talking probably millennia, but whatever. Um, belief systems that correspond to reality, again, because it, they work better, right? Because they they reflect how it reality actually is. And if you look at Islam, uh, this might piss off some Muslims, but uh, and I think this is true as an atheist. I think this is true for many religions, but let's just talk about Islam. Islam, you can be completely consistent. There are ways to interpret the Quran in which you can feel completely justified in your Islamic extremism. Now, I know there's people who argue there are ways to interpret the Quran that aren't that way, right? Um, and and they look at the passages about peace and that kind of stuff, right? But there's a there's a methodology, right? There's I forget what it's called, but there's the the thing where you you interpret the later verses as superseding the earlier verses, which solves the problem of contradictions in a religious text. And I think a lot of Islamic scholars adhere to that. And, well, the more violent stuff is towards the end and the more peaceful stuff is towards the beginning. So if you want to be, if you have whatever psychological need to be a an angry terrorist and you want to use Islam to justify that terrorism, well, there's it's possible. There's tools there to do it. It's totally possible to do. I mean, yes, you may have to be making, uh, there may be a few mental sleight of hands that, that happen, but it's not too bad. You, you could be, you could feel pretty consistent and do that. Um, and my guess is you're probably more consistent than uh, a Muslim who's more westernized, right? Just like just like if you look at Christians, Christians are the more fundamentalist Christians are more consistent with the Bible than Christians who are like, well, I'm just going to ignore that part there, right? Because um, I don't, you know, I don't like that part, right? Um, but but most people who consider themselves Christian or Muslim also have to live in the real world, and so they they temper their religion with their own sense of what's right and wrong and their own um, desires for their life and the life of their family. But if you want to be crazy um, Muslim, you absolutely can. And, 
you know, I guess we're not allowed to talk about that either. Are you um, saying that Islam, because it is more internally consistent than SJW ideology, might... It's more attractive, yeah. Yeah, it's more attractive. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying if you have, you know, we've talked about this before, right? The, the nihilist approach where, and this is something that I think atheists are responsible for, right? They came in, they tore down religion, which was the backbone of the belief systems of, of Christianity were the backbone of the West. Um, let's let's be honest, right? Um, you know, a lot of the morals were based on Christianity. I do think there's some enlightenment concepts that don't require Christianity, but in reality, it's all pretty much came from Christianity, and most of the thinkers were at least theists. Um, and society operates under this Christian backbone. So the the atheists came along. Again, I'm an atheist, so I I'm, <laughs> I can blame us. The atheists came along. They they tore down Christianity. They said, here's here's the problems with it. Here's why God doesn't exist. Religion is stupid, blah, blah, blah. Look at all the problems. Okay, so they, they did all this. Um, and, I, and I agree, because I'm an atheist, like I agree. But they didn't replace it with anything. They just tore it down. They're like, yay, we bulldozed the church. Now we can move on. And it's like, okay, well, where are people going to stay? There's no, you didn't give them any, like, is there a rational moral belief system that would work just as well? Because you certainly didn't bother even trying to construct one. You just patted yourself on the back for demolishing the church and, like, walked off all smug like you'd done something. But you didn't. You left people out in the cold. And, okay, Marx builds a crappy little church so people run to it, right? Well, a mosque looks pretty attractive, um, I, I, so I think, you know, you get a lot of disillusioned people sitting in a nihilistic, youngsters in a nihilistic culture, and you have basically only one religion that has the, um, permission culturally to tout its own, to tout itself, right? Christians are busy feeling guilty and, you know, trying to not, not be too Christian and not advertise too much because, you know, don't want to be associated with Christians and the right. They're, they're too busy apologizing for their own existence. But, but then you got the Muslims. They're not apologizing for their own existence. They're like, yeah, this is, here's our religion. Here's our system. And it's got a system of morals. I think that's attractive to a lot of people, especially to a lot of people who are already culturally or ethnically uh, in a community where there's a lot of Muslims. So, and, 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 you know, and frankly, it's easy to, to make that an extreme version of Islam. Well, and also, I think for some people, even if they're not raised, and it's, it's like, a, like you said, it's internally, it's an internally more consistent belief system. And there is something, something, I will say this to someone who is a recent, um, you know, Christian convert, is that, that, um, Yes, it's an internally consistent belief system. If I, if I separate, you know, my feelings about God and if I just look at it and try and look at it objectively as a system of belief, it's internally um, consistent. And, and I prefer, as you know, we've talked about, I don't like the mealy mouth, the, the wishy-washy Christianity. I want a strict set of guidelines. That's why, you know, it, that is appealing to me. It is... It is, uh, you know, this friend of mine who's like, oh, you should come, who found out I was uh, visiting different churches and was a new Christian. She was like, oh, you should come to my church. It's super liberal. And like, it's, she's basically like anything goes and explaining SJW beliefs. I'm like, that's what I left behind. That's the opposite of what you want. <laughs> right. Exactly. I want something yeah. consistent that makes sense. 
Right. And Islam provides that. And Islam provides that too. And I was just, you made me think of um, Sinead O'Connor, you know, this Irish singer. Yeah. Nothing compares to you, Carrie. Nothing compares to you. Um, <laughs> I adore Sinead O'Connor, but clearly mental problems has mental problems, like a lot of people do, and especially artists. But um, she, I don't know if you follow what's been going on with her, but last year she converted to Islam. Mm-hmm. I don't follow her. Yeah, thankfully. well, she goes by Shuhada Sada something now. <laughs> and on Twitter, uh, she she tweeted this last year, well, almost exactly a year ago. Um, I'm terribly sorry. What I'm about to say is something so racist, I never thought my soul could ever feel it. But truly, I never want to spend time with white people again, if that's what non-Muslims are called. Not for one moment, for any reason, they are disgusting. And the, it's weird because it's almost like you can see how someone could make a jump from SJW ideology, which is racist and anti-Western and anti-white and anti-male and all these other things. You could see how somebody could make a, a jump from that if, if they're maybe perhaps unstable enough or I don't know, just for a, a, a myriad of reasons which might lead you to make that jump to saying this really fundamentalist ideology is attractive to me and I'm moving there. Right. Yep. Um, and then she later apologized almost, it took her a year to apologize. And she tweeted this in September of this year, as regards to remarks I made while angry and unwell about white people, they were not true at the time and they are not true. Now I was triggered as a result of Islamophobia. <laughs> dumped on me <laughs> yeah i apologize for the hurt caused this was one of many crazy tweets lord knows so um she she basically was like islamophobia is what caused me because there's so much islamophobia in the world i was made i i hated white people i was as i was triggered as a result of islamophobia my hatred and my racism and my etc cetera, etc cetera, it's white people's fault anyway. Yes, can be blamed on, white people can be blamed on Islamophobia, which takes us back to the dad of this murder victim saying, Islam, yep. let's talk about Islamophobia. Let's make sure we're not Islamophobic. When instead of talking about this ideology, this radical extreme version of Islam that led to his son's death. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and let's, and, and talking about, um, the the way in which we have a criminal system we have a criminal justice i mean look at the U, let's just look at the uk's the us's criminal justice system is is horrible right um probably worse but you know we have a if you look at the uk you've got someone like tommy robinson thrown in jail for basically asking some questions like doing some reporting not saying like not saying anything like not threatening anyone tommy robinson thrown in jail for wrong think right um so you've got, on the one hand, you've got uh, an overly draconian state response to people for, you know, you tweet the wrong thing in the UK, the police will show up. You're Tommy Robinson, you interview someone outside of a courthouse, you're thrown back in jail, right? Um, you're thrown in jail for mild thought crime or wrong, you know, behavior that's outside of what they would like cattle to behave like, Right. Um, anything that's questioning the authority. But but if you commit actual terrorism, you are treated with kid gloves. And 
you are assumed to be easily rehabilitated and you should be integrated and it's not your fault because you're probably just a terrorist because of all that Islamophobia in the UK that made you want to kill people, right? You're just like, you're overly coddled. And um, if you run a child rape gang for two decades... Yes, and, you're not even arrested. You're not even arrested. The police let, ignore you for two decades. Countless children you rape and sell into prostitution because they're afraid of being called Islamophobes and being called racist. And an independent right. police, an independent commission came to that conclusion. That, that's why the police didn't break up one of these Islamic... Uh, yeah, um, you're talking about Rotherham. People should look up Rotherham if they don't know the grooming gangs in Rotherham. Um, you're right. It's a disparity. Look at the difference in how they treat... Well, and, and it's inverted, right? It's the opposite of justice. And so this is the, this is the problem for sustain, sustain, sustaining a society. In order for people to... In order for a government to kind of maintain any kind of control... The people have to actually believe that there's some element of justice involved in the system. They have to believe in the institutions in some way. And if you're in the UK, I don't know how you believe in in the institutions at all. I have I have no. I mean, it's bad enough in the U.S., but how do how do you possibly have any faith in the ju in the justice system? It's the injustice system. It's back. Everything is backwards. And so, I mean, I, I don't know what happens. I think maybe just uh, the current populations are just too fat, lazy, and complacent to do anything about it. I don't know, but, um, you know, we're all very comfortable. I get it, but I, I don't know how the institutions are going to maintain any sort of credibility. And once they lose credibility, you know, I, you're in this system that, like, no one's, no one, there's no reason to obey any laws anymore, right? Because you lose your moral authority. And, yeah. and, they, and, the, and they've lost their moral authority here. So there's no reason to obey. I mean, honestly, in the UK, there's zero reason to obey any law, except if you think it's morally wrong or if you think you'll get caught. But what the government thinks about what you've done wrong is kind of irrelevant because they're, they're not propagating justice at all. No. Um, and that's true in many cases in the US as well. I'm not picking on the UK, but this story is from the UK. So, you know, heaven forbid... You have a shotgun as a farmer and defend yourself against, uh, you know, violent attackers. Um, you know, you'll go to jail for that. But it, it just, yeah, it it pisses me off. It's sad to see um, because it is that this is how Western civilization dies. I guess I guess all of the people that were traditionally part of Western civilization, all the people who, you know, the the descendants of the people who built the UK, are. Yeah, they're just gonna quietly well, the kill themselves. They're gonna they're gonna fall over each other to well anybody prostrate who believed, themselves. The descendants of people who 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 believed in the values of Western civilization. That's what happens. The values are dying, and so that's what I mean. That's yeah, I mean. the the it's like ideas, like we've talked about. Ideas live longer than people, and and ideas evolve, and ideology evolves, and and these ideas are dying. And people are replacing them with other ideas. In the case of postmodernists, it's like any idea, every idea, doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't have to be intellectually, you know, consistent. Doesn't matter. It internally consistent. And then you've got. Then you've I got think there's a caveat with the postmodernists. Actually, it's any idea except for the set of ideas which are which are actually good. Yes. Oh yeah, I agree. And any bad got, ideas allowed. Right, and then you've got this other ideology moving in. That's like like you said, internally consistent and attractive for that reason. Yeah. And it and actually believes something, believes in something. And it's not, um, 
it's not, see, Christianity is internally consistent and, and believes in a certain set of values as well. But it, like you said, because of that caveat, that's, it's being attacked. That's the one, that's the one belief, one set of ideas that is being made taboo. That's being made. Right. Right. You know, as something you should not believe in. And so. Right. And look, as an atheist, my caveat is I don't think either Christianity or Islam is actually internally consistent. Um, but they are both more consistent, much more consistent than social justice and that kind of crap. Yes. Um, and and it is true that Christianity is in a a weakened position because you know you can't be you can't talk about the value the Christian values without being accused of being a horrible person. Whereas you can talk, a Muslim can talk about the the beauty of the Muslim religion, right? If you even just in pop culture, you see scenes in movies where where people like go out of their way to like, oh, I I really love the beauty of the Quran and the poetic this and that, and they kind of they talk about it. Obviously, just a virtue signal, but you couldn't get away with that if someone said that about the Bible. I love the beauty of the Bible, and oh, like, no. <laughs> you you would be you would be considered like a crazy alt right to the end of they'd throw you onto the Christian network or whatever it's you know whatever cable network does only Christian programming, and like they'd be HBO would never run you right. You know, when I was uh, an SJW, so I simultaneously believed that the whole idea of war on a war on Christmas was made up and manufactured by Fox News. Fox News. I was like, that's not real. Nobody's. There's no war on Christians. There's no war on Christianity. There's no war on on Christmas. I was. I, I simultaneously believed that. Talk about cognitive dissonance. And then I purposefully at Christmas time would pick holiday cards that had nothing to do with christ or jesus or anything and i would send them to my christian relatives on purpose on purpose i would pick happy holidays and it would have like santa riding a reindeer with sex sexually dressed elves you know and and i did that on purpose because i was a vengeful uh arrogant well not but i felt like i knew best you were resentful probably i was resentful because a lot of SJWs are and i felt like i knew best and, and they should have to deal with somebody who doesn't believe in their religion right like that's the way right. i thought of it they should right. have to deal with somebody sending them a happy holiday card instead of a marriage why should i have to cater to their beliefs right i was so mean i was so arrogant about it and now now that i'm on the other side of it and i i'm like obviously <laughs> there is a war on christian yes. beliefs. obviously, obviously. And I was a part of it. I love that you're laughing, but yeah, I was a part of it. And I, I didn't believe there was while I was being a part of it. I didn't believe there was. And there's no war on Christmas. Now come to the holiday winter celebration party. Right. Come to the winter celebration. Like, like, so now um, I do the, now I noticed last Christmas was the first time I did the opposite. I went to like one of these fancy paper stores, like Papyrus or something. Uh-huh. And I noticed they didn't have any Christmas. They had all the Christmas cards you could buy in packs. They didn't have any Christian ones at all. It was all stuff like I used to buy. It was all like penguins in a tree or like. (laughs) You won, Carrie. That's what happened. I I won. My old me won. And so I was really like, where are the baby Jesus cards? (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, since we're getting into the holidays, let me, let me say this, something that, because as an, when I became an atheist, I went through a, a brief phase similar to you where I was like, um, I'm not gonna say Merry Christmas to people. I'm, I don't believe in right. I don't believe in any of this. I'm not saying Merry Christmas. I'm gonna say you know Happy Holidays or you know Winter Solstice, whatever it was. Um, and actually, I did. I, I invented Capitalism Day. I had, we had like Capitalism Day celebrations. <laughs> um, 
which we still kind of do. My daughter thinks it's funny, but we kind of interchange capitalism and Christmas, uh, capitalism day and Christmas. But anyway, um, what I realized, and this is you know pretty obvious, when I'm wishing someone well for the holidays, um. It's about what they believe, not about what I believe. So if I'm wishing a Jewish person well, I say, Happy Hanukkah. If I'm wishing a Christian person well, I say, Merry Christmas. And I guess if I had Muslim friends and I knew when the holidays were, I might say Happy Ramadan or whatever, right? But, um, you know, I and, you know, my atheist friends, I don't know what I... Happy Festivus, right? But... <laughs> It's not a it's not a betrayal of my, my beliefs to wish someone well on celebrating their holiday. <laughs> like that's not I don't need to go out of my way to be like happy winter solstice Christian. Here's my secular card. <laughs> <laughs> it's like forcing it is very much a way of trying it's an authoritarian thing. It makes it about me instead of about them. It's trying to force your beliefs on them. Yes. You're trying to make them cater to you. It's the same thing as forcing your pronouns. It's like you right. cater to what I believe. <laughs> right. And anyone that I'm going to send a card to knows me well enough that they know we disagree on that. If that's like, you yes. know, not, it's not like, you know, Carrie, I'm not going to send you a card and be like, happy winter solstice, Carrie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's what I used to do. I know, I know. <laughs> By the way, one of my Muslim friends is like the biggest Christmas person I know because she wasn't raised with Christmas. And so she, I'm not kidding. She puts up her Christmas tree like November 1st and she doesn't take it down until like February. <laughs> she's like, it's great. I, I love this. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, Christmas is coming. And she never, it's like not being able to have a puppy when you're a kid and then you're an adult and you have like 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Were you not allowed to have a puppy when you were a kid? No, that doesn't actually apply to me. But I, we, we would always have, like 13 dogs at a time yeah we well, lived in the woods we lived in the woods so and people knew my dad would take them so they would drop them off at our house we'd come home and have a new dog so you're just used to it it's just nor normal for you. i'm uh, yeah that can't that can't um that doesn't describe why I... all right at least you're not an old you know a, a cat lady living by yourself with seven cats yeah, that, was, that would be worse cat lady <laughs> <laughs> all right well you said we had about 45 minutes and so we should probably wrap it up carrie but um yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. Carrie, any last comments on this uh, this knife thing in London? No, nothing on that. Um, no. Okay. Uh, but I would like to say, Tiger would like to say goodbye, Carter. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Tiger. Uh, goodbye, Carrie. Goodbye, everyone else. Um, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Uh, as Carrie points out, even just liking our YouTube videos helps us. Um, certainly sharing them probably helps us more. And go to subscribe star. Helps us even more. You can also go to um, unsafespace.com slash shop and buy some Christmas merch. We should have, like, done a Christmas sale thing. But uh, uh, Carrie's eyes are lighting up now. I don't know if you can see that, everyone. But she's now going to do a Christmas sale. No, we'll make some more Christmassy merch, maybe. I don't know. We could do – yeah, let's come up with a Christmas idea. But, no, I hate Black Friday. I think it's gross. Um, but, okay. I, but let's do a Christmas design. All right. Carrie will come up with a brilliant Christmas design and uh, oh we should do one of your capitalism day shirts and then have like a very like a baby jesus like one that's real christian doubt <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> all right we'll probably brainstorm offline everyone <laughs> this isn't gonna go well but uh, <laughs> two, two options <laughs> thank you all for watching and uh and listening and we will see you tomorrow